Thank you for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church. To find out more about The Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. I'm more stoked about this series than I ever have been, and I've probably put more time into this series than any series we've ever done here because of what I believe is the profound impact it has on every one of us. Uh, but before we dive in, I, there, there's something that, that we're about to launch in, in August that you don't want to miss. We're revamping, reshaping, recontextualizing what we used to call our Welcome to Church Party. We're now calling it our Next Steps course, and it's going to run every week. There's two options. Uh, the option one is called My Life, where you get to discover God's plan for your life. And the option two is My Future, where you get to discover God's plan for your future. And I'm just telling you right now, I want every single one of the, the people who call the Movement Church home, those that are skeptics, those that are not even sure what they think, I want you to make sure you make plans. That'll be kicking off in just a few weeks. Of course, you'll hear about it every week. It'll give everyone an opportunity to really discover exactly why they're here and what God's called them to do. And that's why we exist as a church. So I'm excited about that. But I wanna dive in today's message and I've got a lot of stuff to share, a lot of information. I wanna challenge you as I always do to get your cell phones out and text the word notes so you can follow along as we dive into this series. I really am gonna spit out a ton of information extremely quickly. And so if you don't write notes, it means one of two things. You hate me, A, and B, you don't care about what Jesus wants for your life. So either way, it's a bad news bears. So uh, we're, the whole kind of the, the foundation scripture for this whole series is found in Acts chapter 19. Now Acts is one of the, it's the historical account of the beginning of the church. And chapter 19 is 25 years into the making of the church. So two and a half decades into the beginning of what you're a part of today. Now, 25 years into this, two of the key church leaders, Apollos and Paul, are going to spread the gospel of Jesus. And Paul says that I'm, I'm gonna head towards Ephesus in verse one. And in verse two, he encounters some disciples. And it says this, there he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So here again, the key word is disciples. They're Christians, Christ followers. And, and he said, hey, when you accepted Jesus, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they answered to him, they said, uh, what you talking about? We, we don't even know. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And I'm, my concern, my fear, and I've said this every week because we have new people here every week, is that there's a lot of people who are Christ followers or Christians. If you're here and you don't know what you believe, hey, permission to belong before you believe. You're, in fact, you're some of my favorite peeps. I'm glad you're with us today. But if you're here today and you say, I'm a follower of Jesus, then you might fit into this category. I think there's a lot of people who are Christians, Christ followers who are going to heaven, but haven't experienced the fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's what this is, is happening here in Acts. And a lot of the reason is because the Holy Spirit's been given a bad rap. The packaging, and you might think of, of people on television or videos you've seen on YouTube or crazy individuals. And, and, and the packaging of the Holy Spirit has been so interestingly crazy that maybe it's caused you to kind of push off or not really want to, to partake, if, if you will. Or maybe you just don't know. You, you, maybe you raise, your faith background is you were raised with God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Scriptures. And uh, I just want to introduce you to the person of the Holy Spirit. Not the it, not the thing, the person of the Holy Spirit. 
That's what the series is about. Because the pendulum swing has taken place. And this has kind of become the, the crux of this whole message. My, my, yesterday, my connect group, this is what we talked about for an hour and a half. The pendulum swing. You've got those that allowed the pendulum swing to come all the way over here to the overemphasis, which is what I call banners and barking, crazy services with streamers and ram's horns. And if you don't know, you're blessed. <laughs> I was raised the uh, latter half of my teenage years in a church like this. There's great things in it, but people get crazy and weird. And the problem is that that's forced the other side of the pendulum swing, which is the underemphasis. You have churches filled with people who love God. There's no life. Because they've just kind of dismissed an entire portion of the Trinity. And they're just like kind of existing in Christianity. And, and I just want you to know that there is, my friend Mike Fanning gave me great terminology. There's a radical middle. Sometimes the middle sounds like bleh. But there's a radical middle. That's neither the overemphasis nor the underemphasis. But that's our aim at the movement church. And I think that's God's aim for you. And if you've missed the series, you got to check out the podcast. you got to go and listen to the previous three weeks, which are like chapters in a book. And we're on chapter four, the final installment of this series. And so you missed the first three. And I feel like they're powerfully profound. And I heard that the, the guy who's communicating is extremely good looking. So both of those things alone are worth it. We've been unpacking different themes throughout the series. And in the first week, we unpacked the theme, the, the word Holy Spirit, or as some translations of the Bible say, the Holy Ghost, which is a freaky term, unless you're weird. And so we just unpacked that the, the word for spirit or ghost really just translates to wind. The Ruach or, or Pneuma in the Greek and the Hebrew, and God just wants to put some wind in your sails each out of the doldrums of life. In week two, we talked about the term Pentecost, which Pentecost was another one of those terms that has often had people running for the hills and holy cow, what's happening here? Maybe not for you, but for some. And the term Pentecost just, just means that God's given us power to accomplish his plan for us on this earth. God's plan for you on this earth, which is too big for you. You're pretty awesome, but you ain't that awesome. You need the power of God at work in your life. Last week, we unpacked the term charismatic, another term which can be confusing at times, but it just means spiritual gifts, or another translation says grace gifts, which God has given to all believers. Today, I want to unpack the term baptism. Before we do that, I'm going to pray as we always do and just ask God to show up in a profound way. Can you feel God just doing something already? I just hope we'll be open to that. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? and Let's just pray. God, we thank you that you're here. We thank you for the work you're doing in our life and that you love us desperately and you want great things for us. And God, I just pray that you continue to move here like you never have before. Open our hearts and our ears to the fullness of whatever it is that you want to do. We're open to it, God. You move and you do what only you can do, God. Be God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. I want to unpack the term baptism today, and I'm going to talk about three specific baptisms that we find in the scripture, and, and, and the word baptism just means to be immersed in. Everybody say immersed. Immersed in. And I want to talk about the, these three baptisms that are available for you and for me, and, and really that God wants for those that call themselves Christ followers. So today, if you're not a Christ follower, man, there's no worries with that, but you kind of get a hall pass on this. And maybe a little scratch and sniff to see what you think about this whole thing. And it's a good, I like that word picture. It's good, isn't it? 
And, but if you're here and you say, man, I'm a follower of Christ and you need to know that there's these three baptisms that God wants for each of us. And the first one, which is on your notes, is, is to be baptized into the body of Christ. Now those are terms that are what we would call Christianese terms, terms that maybe a lot of people who've been in church for a long time would know, but, but the body of Christ is just another word for the church. And so there's this baptism that is into his church through the means of who Jesus is. And this is, you can just write down, maybe type up in your notes, just the word salvation. That's what this is simply. And it's not a religion. Okay, let me just hit, hit you here real quickly. It's not a religion, but an immersion into a relationship with Jesus and his church. Jesus referred to his church as his bride. So you might really like me, but you couldn't come up to me and say, hey, Pastor Kerry, you're awesome and all, but I really don't like your wife because I'll punch you in your throat. We just can't hang out. Why? Because my wife is the most important human to me on this planet. And everything I do is because I love her and I want her to be fulfilled. And that's the same way Jesus feels about his church. Now, the church is full of imperfect people which means that imperfect things happen in his church, but that doesn't negate the fact that God's still doing things in his church. Can I get an amen from some people who kind of think that's good? And so this baptism into the body of Christ to salvation is this vibrant and passionate relationship with him and his church. Look at what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says. It'll be on the screens if you didn't bring your cell phone with you, which you all did. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says this, for we were all... Raise your hand if you are an all. Awesome. We were all baptized by one spirit into one body. Again, the reference of the church. Look at what Galatians 3 says. It says this, you are all sons and you can add daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed, and another word that you could use for clothed is immersed yourselves with Christ. So step one is an immersion to dive into the fullness of a relationship with Christ. We see this in John 14. This is kind of an interesting story, and I hope you can kind of see the humor in this. This is after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. Look at this. It says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of Jewish leaders. So in other words, after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection, they kind of went under some persecution, so they all freaked out and they hid. But look at this. Jesus literally just popped through the wall, and he came and stood among them, and if Jesus popped through the wall at your house, you would need him to say this next line, peace be with you. <laughs> it's okay, don't, don't freak out. Look at what verse 20 says this. After he said this, look, he showed them his hands and his side. He said, this is where the nails went in, and this is where they pierced my side with the spear. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Look at what verse 21 says. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am also sending you. I have a work for you to do on this earth. Look at 22. This is important. And I want to teach some for a moment and read through the scripture. So I hope you can... Kind of hang tight with me. Look at this. And he breathed on them. Hopefully he had a Listerine strip. He breathed on them and he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now right here in this moment, this is when the disciples got saved. See, up until that point, they hadn't seen the resurrection of Jesus. And the Bible says, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we receive salvation. So in this moment, 
The disciples, those closest to Jesus, receive salvation. So you need to know this. This is important. When you receive Jesus, when you say yes to him, you receive the Holy Spirit. Ain't no doubt about it. That's what the Bible is saying right here. Look at the same account, but in the Gospel of Luke. So the, the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, the first four books are referred to as the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And they're four accounts of the same story, but with different details. So when we read them together, we can pull out or extrapolate different aspects of the story. Look what Luke says in chapter 24. He says this, while they were still talking about this, Jesus himself stood and he said to them, look, peace be with you, same story again. Notice the same portion of the story right here. Luke 24 says this, verse 49, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but look, stay in the city until you have been, what's that word? Clothed, immersed with power from on high. And I'm showing you this on purpose because they had already received the Holy Spirit from Jesus but they hadn't yet received immersion in the Holy Spirit. Notice the future tense of what Jesus, this is after he had breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And then he said, hey, I'm going, that's the future tense there, I'm going to send you, and so you need to be baptized, clothed in, immersed in his Holy Spirit. Y'all track with me this morning. Is this cool you do this today? Look at the same scripture, same story, in a different place, now it's found in Acts, the historical account of the church. Look at this, Acts chapter one, same story. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. Look at my hand, check out my side, look at my feet, check it out. Verse 40 says this, I'm sorry, he appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. Verse four says this, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So he says, okay, you've already received the Holy Spirit, but wait, don't leave Jerusalem. Verse five says, for John baptized you with water, but in a few days you will be baptized, immersed in the Holy Spirit. Notice again the future tense here. Disciples had already been baptized into Jesus. They had accepted salvation, but Jesus saying, wait, there's more, which leads to second baptism. Let me talk to you about this. The second baptism I want to bring up right here in this moment is water baptism. Everybody say water baptism. Water. Now, I want to just kind of teach for a moment. And in this whole series, I've actually been kind of challenging some theology that you may or may not have been raised in. I don't normally do that on a Sunday, but I feel like this series demands it. So baptism is a separate experience from a salvation experience. Listen to me, and you do not have to be water baptized in order to be saved. You do not. You do not have to be water baptized in order to be saved. Now, many teach that baptism is actually a requirement for salvation. And the reason that Jesus separated these two is because if it was based upon baptism, then we would take credit for what Jesus did on the cross. But what Jesus did on the cross is a free gift, so nothing we can do can either earn salvation nor keep it. But some teach that baptism is a requirement to make it into heaven. In fact, some go even further to say that the word spoken while you're being baptized actually matters. Crazy. There is a war out there between denominations legitimately 
about what the baptizer says to what the baptizee while he's being baptized. Whether it's in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or in the name of Jesus. This is a war. Think about how silly this is, my friends. Just so you know, at the movement church, we baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and the name of Jesus. We got them all covered. <laughs> now, can you imagine? You pass away, and you're at the pearly gate standing before Jesus like, oh, baby, I'm ready. Let me in. And he's like, ah, uh, hang on. You didn't realize this because you were underwater. But the guy baptizing you, he didn't say the right thing, so I'm afraid I just can't let you in. You see how silly this is. He removed the need for us to work for salvation. Guys, that's good news. There ain't nothing you can do to earn it or keep it. Or keep it. But look at me. It is a second step in your journey of faith. A decision to follow Jesus is a private decision that needs to go public at some point. And some of you in this room have made the decision to follow Jesus, or maybe you were baptized or christened as a child, but I'm talking about a baptism that follows the decision to follow Christ, and that might be your next step, to be water baptized. There are 27 instances in the New Testament where people got saved and then immediately baptized. Here's one example. Acts chapter 2, verse 41 says, those who accepted his message were baptized. Accepting the message of Jesus is a private event that takes place between you and God, but at some point, you need to go public with the faith. Why? Because you need to let people know, this is what I believe. It's the same thing as a wedding ring. I don't wear a wedding ring. I had it tattooed on my finger. And by the way, it's the worst tattoo in the history of earth. But it represents my marriage sometimes, so it's okay. <laughs> that was funnier than you laughed at. Moving on. What, is this, what does this mean? It lets you know that I belong to somebody. You can't have any of this. I know some of you are thinking it, but no, I belong to that lady. It's her birthday today. All of me. I belong to Megan. And when we are baptized in water, we're making a public declaration that I belong to Jesus. And some of you need to go public with your faith. Look at what we find in Matthew chapter 10. It says this, whoever acknowledges, me is me, whoever acknowledges me before men, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. Look at this. But whoever disowns me before men, I will disown them before my Father in heaven. It's the second step in your journey. And if you've not been baptized, guess what? August 19th, we're going to baptize folks after both service right outside in the courtyard. It's one of the greatest things that happens at the Movement Church. And the water will be moderately warmed, so it won't be super cold. But it'll be really hot outside, so you'll be fine. And you can go public with your faith, and we'll celebrate you. I'm telling you, there's something amazing that takes place when I go public with my faith. Some of you may have been baptized before, and you kind of went a little cray-cray in your life. And you came back to Jesus, and it's time to get baptized again. We'll hold you under really long and make sure you're good. <laughs> it's the second step in your spiritual journey, and you need to. You can text the word baptism to our number, I believe, or water or something. I mean, just any word. It'll probably give you something, and then we'll follow up with you. First, salvation or baptism into the body of Christ. Second, water baptism. And there is a third baptism, and that's what I want to sh share about today in the remaining 20 minutes that we have together. Third is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Write that down. Baptism in the Holy Spirit. Remember, the disciples received the Holy Spirit when they got saved, but Jesus said, hey, go and wait. Don't leave, because I want to immerse you in the Holy Spirit. 
It's kind of like this. If I had a glass full of water and that represents salvation, it is full of water. But if I dropped that glass of water into a pool, it would be completely immersed. And that's what God's plan and hope for you is. I could show you a ton of scriptures where we see this, but I only want to pick out one right now. And you'll see all three baptisms in this scripture. Check this out. It's Acts chapter 8. Verse 5, we're going to jump around through a few verses to follow along with me in your notes. It says this, Philip, one of the other disciples, went down to the city of Samaria and he proclaimed to them the Christ. In other words, he preached the gospel message. And look at what happens in verse 12. But when they believed, but when they believed, that is the representation of salvation, when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, look at step two, they were baptized, both men and women. But look at verse 14. Now, when the apostles at Jerusalem heard about Samaria, in other words, the apostles who were in headquarters in Jerusalem, heard about what God was doing in Samaria and that they had received the word of God, they sent to them Peter and John, verse 15, who came down and prayed for them that they might, what's that say? Receive the Holy Spirit, verse 16 says, for he had not yet fallen on any of them, but they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Verse 17, then they laid their hands on them, which is just put their hands on their shoulder, maybe on their head, whatever it is, and they received the Holy Spirit. So why three experiences? Why does God create this for us? Well, God didn't want us to mix our, our, our free gift, our grace-filled, all-Jesus gift with the other two experiences. The first one is this personal thing that God does in us. Then I go public with my faith to let people know this is what God is doing in my life. See, the second two baptisms require work. They require me doing something. The first one is all Jesus, but then I go public with my faith and being filled with the Holy Spirit has everything to do with my purpose on this earth. Why? Because God wants to send you, because God has a purpose for you, because God wants to do something through you and you need the power of the Holy Spirit to pull it off. Let me show you one more place in the scripture where we see all three baptisms. Check this out. This is in 1 John, another one of the disciples in one of the books that he wrote, chapter five, verse seven, he says this, for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father and the Word. Now, the Word was always referred to as Jesus. In fact, John wrote in his first book, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and that was in reference to Jesus. So we have the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and these three are one. Look at this. Verse 8 says, and there are three that bear witness, where? On earth. Check this out. The Spirit the water, and the blood. The Holy Spirit, water baptism, and the blood is always in reference to what Jesus did on the cross for us. When he died, he shed his blood. Are you seeing this? Three baptisms, and these three agree as one. So what am I saying to you today? That there's a spiritual journey for you. And here's the great news about God. There's always more with him. Now, people freak out. Can we, I almost brought my soapbox for this one, but I decided not to today. People freak out about the Holy Spirit because of the packaging. By the way, this isn't new theology for the movement church. We have believed this since the beginning. So it's not like we're pulling out a wild card that you'd never heard of, and you're like, oh, I knew it was coming. We've always been here, but you just see it packaged different than you may have experienced previously. And people freak out about the power of the Holy Spirit, and usually it's in reference to one area, and that is speaking in tongues. Dun, dun, dun! 
But I want to remind you of what I preached about last week. That every gift that's from God is something that you want. So you might ask me, Carrie, do you believe that the gifts of God and speaking in tongues are valid for today? Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. But so much of the confusion around this topic is because people have made this about the gifts rather than the giver. We put the focus on the gifts rather than the giver. And God has given us gifts, why? To point people to him, not to point people to the gifts that he's given us. So listen to me, right now there is a war waging in your heart because there is a tradition or a paradigm that you have walked through, a heritage, and if you and I are not careful, we will allow tradition or experience to create the framework of our theology. Whether it's skepticism or fear, or maybe too much of that overemphasis, or you grew up in an underemphasis. But listen, I believe the gifts of God are for today. But let me tell you another statement that I, I believe emphatically. You do not have to speak in tongues to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you tracking with me today? I told you I was going to teach about this. In the New Testament, it mentions about 24 different spiritual gifts. Depending on which theologian you talk to, some say 18, some say 28. So we'll pick 24 today. But Christians have focused in on one or two of the gifts, and then what they've unintentionally done or maybe intentionally done is created the spiritually elite, the super Christians, the Avenger Christians. (laughs) And some would say that if you don't have the evidence of these gifts, then you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. And I do not believe that. And here's how I can back that up. In Scripture, we see the baptism of the Holy Spirit happen five times in the New Testament. All this theology based on five instances. And look at the evidence that we see in these five instances. Are you ready? I'm not going to read the scriptures to you today. If you want to talk to me afterwards, maybe I'll give you my notes. If I like you, we'll see. (laughs) I'm kidding. Three times when the baptism of the Holy Spirit, in other words, when the Holy Spirit showed up in power, three times in the new, not, hey, listen, in your Bible, not the Bible I wrote, the Bible that God wrote for you, okay? Just throwing that out there. Three instances we see where the Holy Spirit shows up in power and people speak in tongues. In one instance, Paul was healed. In another instance, People prophesied. And in another, people got boldness. So here's what we see. A common response, but no formula. And we have, depending on what pendulum you grew up in, we've tried to formulize how the Holy Spirit works, but there ain't no formula. In fact, I would argue that the best evidence of a life led by the power of the Holy Spirit is that the fruit of the Spirit is at work in our life. That we have love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and the big one, self-control. I think when that's at work in our life, man, then we know we're being led by the Spirit. Because I don't know about you, but controlling this self sometimes is challenging. Can I get an amen? amen? Are you tracking with me? Not only is the evidence different in all five occasions, but so is the method. Sometimes the the apostles or the church leaders would come in and put their hands on the people and pray for them and God would show up powerfully. One time Peter was preaching in an environment similar to this and the Bible says the Holy Spirit just showed up and God did awesome things. So the method and the evidence, they are not essential components but merely semantics. Here's what we know. And here's what I can take away is that God has us on a spiritual journey and he wants for everyone salvation. And he wants for everyone water baptism. And he wants for everyone baptism in the Holy Spirit. But we've allowed the packaging of this to create a challenge in our life. Let me just tell you my story. Can I do that now? Get nine minutes and 46 seconds. I'm not going to make it happen. (laughs) 
Here's my story. I was raised Southern Baptist. My father was a Southern Baptist pastor for 25 years. He was raised, my grandfather was a Southern Baptist pastor in a tiny little town in northern Mississippi called Friendship, which is literally the size of this entire room. <laughs> I got Southern Baptist roots, like steeped in Southern. That's why I know the Bible, because, man, they taught the word of God. In home, my home, I had to memorize scriptures. In my home, not at Sunday school. I had to do that too. I rocked Sunday school. I got the jelly bean jar full, got all the free gifts because I had scripture memorized. And then something started to shift in my parents when I was about 12, 13, 14, and they just started to realize there's more out there. And they'd been on this side of the pendulum swing and they could see God doing something. They went to a couple conferences and read some books and started really exploring the scripture and just realized, man, there's this third baptism. And one day, after a conference, sitting in a Jeep that they had rented in a parking lot in Colorado, my dad, with the most faith that he could muster up, and my mom sitting there just said, God, I don't know about this, but if you have it for me, I want it. So fill us with your Holy Spirit. And he did right there in that Jeep. And their life was never the same. It wasn't crazy. The Jeep didn't shake. There was no lightning bolt. Smoke didn't come out of the exhaust. <laughs> he just filled them with their, the power of his Holy Spirit. And then, then, then they came home and said, hey, we're, we're going to start exploring what God's doing. And we started looking for churches that, had to, that leaned a little bit longer towards this side of the pendulum equation. I can remember sitting in a church service and the first time I raised my hands in a worship journey because on this side you didn't do that. And I remember just feeling something on the inside, just go, man, I just want to give God everything. And my natural response to God was the same as when the Cowboys dominate during the football season or when I hit a good chip shot onto a green. I'm like, yeah! And I do the same thing with God. I'm like, man, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus, for what you did on the cross. My internal response becomes reflective in my external response. And I was at a camp. I was a young kid, and somebody said, would you like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? I said, I don't know what that is, but sure. And they prayed for me. I was filled with the Holy Spirit and received a beautiful prayer language. And God started moving powerfully in my life. It has been ever since then. I'll never forget there was a time I was in Virginia, West Virginia, actually, Mountain Mama. Take me home. Come on, someone want to sing it right now? Take me home, country road. I could keep going, but I can't. I don't have time. I so want to sing right now. And I was preaching in a little, a little church, about 50 people there. And there's a guy in the back of the room, about the same size as Jordan, big dude, looking at me like this, mad dogging me. I'm thinking, I'm smaller than you, but I will whoop you. That's what short, fat guys say in their minds. <laughs> Keyword is their minds. Just mad dogging me the whole time, standing up, 50 people, so it was very obvious. Got done preaching, the pastor got up and said, hey, I, you know, if you want prayer, why don't you come here right now, which is an awkward dynamic, right? Right now, everybody get out of your seat, and if you want prayer, come here, pastor cares and pray for Nobody came forward. It was a really big vote of confidence, and <laughs> pastor said, no, no, really, some of you need prayer, and this little woman that was sitting in the middle of the seats got up and went back and grabbed the hand of this big dude. Apparently, they were married. <laughs> I'm like, oh, this is awesome. He definitely wants prayer right now. Dragged him down the aisle, and he walked up. As he got closer, he was bigger, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And I was just praying for people. Just a true story. And I just put my hand on their arm, nothing weird. Just say, hey, I'm going to pray for you. And I just started praying right in the middle of praying. True story. I got a picture, an image in my mind of them having an argument the night before. And literally what he said to her and then what she said to him and then what he said to her. 
And I just leaned in. I said, hey, I just got this picture last night. You guys were arguing. And she said this, and then you said that, and then he said this. And that dude dropped to his knees and started crying. And she dropped right next to him. And he said, that was the exact argument we had last night. I said, obviously God wants to do something in your life. Their marriage had been on the rocks. I said, I want to pray for restoration in your marriage. I found out two years later they were fully restored. Their marriage was great. They were plugged into the church. You know what that was? It was a supernatural power of God working through me. Nothing I did. But God just wanted to show up in West Virginia, (laughs) Mount Mama. (laughs) And I ruined the moment. It's gone. It was the power of the Holy Spirit at work. It was the ability to do something that God's called me to do that I don't have the ability to do on my own. My story goes on. We'll have to skip through some of these notes. 18 years old, my pastor has a dream. I'm going to be the next youth pastor of a large church a month into marriage. Uh, we, we literally one month into marriage, we take over a youth ministry at a church of 2,500. There's 150 teenagers in it. We grew it to 275 people. Then God drops the idea of maybe coming to California to plant a church. But before that happened, I had a dream that a man named David Wright called my pastor, Lawrence Kennedy in Dallas, and asked us to come out to Arizona and be his youth pastors. You know what the crazy thing was? He had called three months before. Whew. Guess what? Dang it, we had to move to Phoenix. Nobody wants to live in Phoenix. It's 100 in hell right now. Right now. Like, you don't have to look. What, what's the temperature? 100 in hell. And then God brought us here. And now you're here. And you think it was coincidence. Man, no, that's the power of God at work in your life. Are you tracking with me? We couldn't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. And the book of Acts couldn't have happened without the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, don't leave Jerusalem. You need this baptism. Listen, Peter couldn't tell a little girl that he knew Jesus. When Jesus was on trial, this little girl accused him. Aren't you a follower of his? No, 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 I'm not. I don't know the man. And then 50 days later, we see him preaching to thousands at the beginning of the church. And the only event that took place in between that that changed everything was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And we've allowed the context of our heritage to drive us in the opposite direction of what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The disciples needed it. You needed it. You're called by God to do something here on this earth. And that's what God's called for us to do. The third baptism, a baptism in the Holy Spirit that is neither weird nor crazy, but it's the fullness of what God has. So how do I get filled with the Holy Spirit? I'm so glad you asked. I'm going to give you a couple points. I want you to write these down. Number one. Remove all barriers. Remove all barriers. Listen, I can only get the fullness of what God has for me to the degree in which I remove the things that are in the way. Are you tracking with me? I probably should have put that on the screen. Maybe for you it's experience. Maybe one time you went to a French church that was like that one over there and you're like, nope. Or maybe you were raised here. And you were taught that the gifts of the Spirit ceased with the death of the apostles, which is based loosely on one verse that also says knowledge will cease. And I'm pretty sure you're thinking, currently. It was in reference to the return of Jesus, and yet we've skewed it. One scripture. Are you tracking with me? But I think if we're honest, it's skepticism. 
Can that be God? And fear, what's going to happen? But if God has it for you, you want it. So remove the obstacles. Look at what happened in Acts chapter 2. Peter replied, repent and be baptized. For some of us, it might be, we need to get rid of some sin. We need to get rid of some stuff in our life and allow the Holy Spirit to work. Every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, look at this, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, all whom the Lord our God will call. Number two, request the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's the beautiful thing about who God is. My parents didn't have to be in a church service when that took place. It doesn't have to be some crazy emotional experience. It's just the simplicity of saying, Jesus, if you want this for me, I'll take it. And here's how I'd encourage you to pray. I'll take everything you have for me, God. And don't give them contingencies. I'll take everything but that. If God has it for you, you want it. Luke 11 says this, if you then are evil. Talking about us as parents, we're not perfect like God is. If we know how to give good gifts to our children, how how much more will your Father in heaven give, look at this, the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him. Number three, and, and I think this is the challenging one for most of us, is receive Him by faith. Something you need to know about God is, it's the challenging part and sometimes it's frustrating He's going to ask you to take a leap of faith sometimes, to take a risk. And we we don't like that because we like to compartmentalize him. But there's always going to be a portion where you are jumping off into an unknown area. Moving here was a leap of faith for my family. No clue if this is going to work. No clue. There are people in your life that took a leap of faith. You don't even realize it, and that's why you're here this moment. And I think some of the fullness of what God has for you is gonna require a leap of faith. I think God's inviting some of us in this room today to take one more step, one more leap of faith. I love this explanation of the leap of faith in our spiritual journey, which is found in a beautiful Old Testament book called Ezekiel. And this this guy's painting the picture of God's heart for us in our spiritual journey. It says this, as a man went eastward, eastward with a measuring line in his hand, He measured off a thousand cubits and then he led me through the water that was ankle deep. So he's painting the picture of a man calling him into a river. He said he measured off a thousand cubits and he led him into a water that was ankle deep. And some of you here today, you're you're right there. You're at ankle deep when it comes to your faith journey. Yeah, you've surrendered your life to the Lord and that's a great step. And that's all you need. But there's more. There's more. It's a great step, and you can stay there, but there's more. Imagine if I was just to say, you know what, I want to be married, and wherever we're at, the relationship that we have now, the strength, the health, the vitality, the passion, I just want it here. I don't want to ever get better. Well, guess what? We never just stay somewhere. We always grow in one direction. We're either growing towards health, or we slowly deteriorate. And if you're ankle deep, I just want to challenge you. Let that faith begin to rise on the inside to take that next step. The scripture goes on and says, He measured off another thousand cubits, and He led me through the water that was knee deep now. And some of you are here. And you first got to the church, 
<laughs> a guy in my connect group yesterday said, it took me two months to not cringe when someone said amen or so good while you were preaching. And some are like, I totally agree. I totally agree. And now that same guy said, but I gave my first, that's so good last week. And I looked around like people were looking at me. Some of you thought we, we literally staged people in the sanctuary to say that. We did not. <laughs> so good. Thank you, Josh. But now I'm, now I'm just seeing God. Some of you came here, I will never move during worship. That's fine. You don't have to. I will never raise my hands. And then today you're like, boop. <laughs> Pastor Jeremy is like, if you feel comfortable, raise your hand. You're like, boop, that's it. You, get, you got that, Jesus. Boop, maybe you're right here now. Or you just kind of hold it in front of you so nobody really sees. Or you hope your wife doesn't see because then she's going to get on to you about it and say, I knew you would love the worship at this place. <laughs> you tracking with me? And I, we want to be that church, by the way. I hope there's skeptics here today. I hope, you don't, I hope there's some people here that don't believe a word I'm saying. I'm, I'm cool with that. We always dreamt of a church like that. I'm cool with that. We can hang out. We'll be friends. And I hope there's people here who are further along in the journey of faith than I am. We want to be a place for everybody. I will never force you to believe anything. And nor does God. But he has it for you. Oh, man, he has it for you. That's the amazing thing about God is I've, I've found in this journey personally that every step I take closer to him, he reveals more of who he is to me. And I go, oh my goodness, there's so much more. The Bible goes on and says, he measured off another thousand and he led me through water that was up to the waist. Notice all three stages. He's in the water, but he's still in control. Still got his feet on the ground. God, if I jump all in, I, I don't know where the water, where the river might take me. But there's an invitation to go even further. Look at what the scripture goes on to say. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. The scripture actually goes on to say that there in the middle of the river and only there, the, the water, the river was teeming with life. In other words, that there's some good stuff in the middle of the river that you just can't get on the bank. And in order to get to that component of what God has for you, you got to lose touch with the ground and take a risk. Take a risk. Hebrews eleven sixteen says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists. And then look at this. And he rewards those who earnestly seek him. He's not looking for perfection. Just someone who says, I want more of what you have for me. So enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. Remove the barriers, request, God, I just, I want what you have for me and receive him by faith so that, and this is the last point that I have for you, so that you can rely or relate to him daily. That's the greatest strength of my walk with the Lord is daily. I, I'm able to relate to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life. And I need Him. I want to pray for you. But first, I, I want to, I'm going to shift up the order of service today. And I'm not going to do anything crazy, trust me. But I want to pray for those in the room that need to begin the journey with Jesus that first baptism to say, yes, I'm, I'm surrendering my life to the Lord. I'm gonna ask that nobody leave yet. We've got just a few minutes left in our service today. We're gonna close with just a song of worship that we sang earlier today. And 
But for some of us, we need to start the journey with Jesus. Just begin. And the good news is, there's nothing you can do to earn it. It's as simple as just saying, Jesus, I give you my life. He gave his life for you. And something happens when we give our life back to him. If you're here and, and, and that's you, and you say, man, I, I need to take that step. I want to pray a prayer with you. And where you're seated, in a private moment between you and God, I want you to pray it with me. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. If you're here and you've never prayed this prayer, you say, you know what? I need to begin the journey. Maybe some of you, you need to start over. You've been running, and now it's time to come running back. Let me just give you the simple words to pray. And I would ask that everybody just remain still for a moment. If that's you, and first time to pray this prayer, or maybe it's time to come running back, here's the words right here. Just say, God, I know you're real, and that you're perfect, and you've got a plan for me, but I'm not perfect. In fact, God, I just hope you'd forgive me. And then make this statement your own as simply as you possibly can. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And I just wanna pray a prayer for all of us right now. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I wanna pray a scripture that we started this entire series off with. It's a benediction and it's found in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and it really is my prayer and my hope for you. So while you're sitting there, I would just ask you to take your hands and turn them upward like you're receiving a gift from God and just right there and maybe palms up in your, in your lap or however you wanna do it. And I just pray that you would, with, with the greatest sincere faith, maybe receive this prayer, not as my heart for you, but as God's heart for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, this is my prayer that you would experience the amazing grace of the Master Jesus. The extravagant love of God, extravagant love. Some of you need to know it's extravagant for you, never ending, never wavering, never ceasing. Some of you just need to be reminded of that today. My prayer would be that the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit will be with all of you. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from The Movement Church.